Well, hello there, and welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and on behalf of my co-host, Chrissy Dunham, we want to thank you for sharing this time with us. You were joining us as we study the book of Philippians. If we had to sum up the book of Philippians in one word, it would be encouragement. And that's exactly what we hope you take away from this series. We want to encourage you as the Apostle Paul did for the church in Philippi. If you enjoy the Wonder Podcast, will you share with your family and friends? And if you really love it, will you throw us some stars on the platform in which you listen? The more stars, the easier it is to find our podcast, and we want folks to find us with ease. So thank you again for listening in. You have encouraged us already. God bless you. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. As we told you last week, we are starting the study of Philippians. So we did an introduction. If you haven't heard that, please go back and listen to that just so you kind of know the introduction and a little bit of history of the book. Um, But we are so excited to bring this to you. And in this podcast, we're going to cover chapter one. So Lisa, what would you like to kick us off with? Sometimes you start with a little, what was it called? It's called uh, in a nutshell. In a, I know it had something to do with the nut, but I couldn't remember. So in I a nutshell, the Holman, Holman New Testament commentary, the Holman New Testament commentary by Max Anders, and uh, it's really good. And we've used this for many, many years. And this one is Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, or as I like to call it, go eat popcorn. Yes. 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 And so. We're in Philippians, and Philippians in a nutshell here says in chapter one, Paul tells the Philippian believers, greetings, Philippians, Timothy and I thank you for your fellowship and pray that you may be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Don't be concerned about me. My imprisonment has actually helped further the gospel here, and I know my afflictions will exalt the Lord. Even though you too suffer, I want to encourage you in your conduct to be worthy of the gospel of the Lord. And you know what, as I read that, what that makes me think of, I know that we've studied a bunch of the gospels in our lifetime, and we know that because of the persecution that believers were under, that's how the gospel spread. Persecution, because they're fleeing the persecution so they can stay alive and tell people about Jesus. They're fleeing the persecution and they're spreading to the uttermost parts of the world. Isn't that how it works? In our worst days, God will be glorified. If we're living for him, if we just like we talked about last week with Paul, in our hardship, in our struggle, in our persecution, in our suffering, God can be glorified and the gospel can be preached. And I think that's, I've thought about this a lot lately because we are living in what some would be calling dark days. But for us as the believer, and especially here living in Texas, now I know some churches across the United States are not open yet. And I, and I feel sad and sick for those, those believers who are longing for a Christian community. I hope they're doing it in their homes if they're not able to be in their church. But we're still able to practice our faith. We're still able to live it out. We can talk about Jesus in our workplace. We can go next door. We're free to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we know, there are many in this world who are not. They are persecuted for their faith. Well, I've had a thought recently that I think we're living in the greatest days right now 
because of that fact that we are able as Christians to shine our light bright. And I've thought about it often. I've said it to a bunch of people, but when does the light shine brightest in the darkness? And so while you're concerned and in a fetal position or whatever you are Christian, because we're living in a dark days, you need to get out of it. You need to shine your light bright because you're able to, because hear me on this, there will be a day and it could be sooner than we think when your children, grandchildren and great grandchildren are persecuted for their faith. They are not able to live like we're living. So you do it for them. You shine bright for them, your legacy. Let that be your legacy that during these great days, and yes, there's a lot going on right now and it's hard stuff, but you bring the gospel to the forefront. You shine your light big and bright. You give God all the glory for the great things that he's done in your life and you share the gospel. That's why I think we're living in the greatest days. I totally agree. And um, my Bible study ladies that I meet with on Mondays, we just had that conversation that if you look back through the Bible, the Old Testament and all the things that went on, and then the 400 years of silence and then the New Testament, we are living in the greatest days because we have the Holy Spirit. We have the same power that Jesus had. So we have access to all of the things, all of the things. And I love that the Lord let me live during these days and during these times. And I love that our light needs to shine in the dark. And I told them, what a great pandemic that we're in, that we can be full of joy, we can be full of hope, and we can be full of the light. Let people know this is a great time to share your faith. This is a great time to talk about Jesus everywhere you go. So when you look in the first chapter of Philippians, I just want to start in in verse three, unless you have something with those first two verses, the greeting. Is there anything you'd like to add there? Okay. So I just want to read to you uh, verses three through six. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you. Remember, Paul is writing this in prison. He is in chains. Always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is what we just talked about. He is encouraging the people in Philippi. And he is saying, first of all, I want you to know that I thank God for you. I think of you. I remember you. He said he's always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. I want you to think about your prayer life. Who do you thank the Lord for? There are many times in my life where I tell him all these things I need. But on the days that I turn it around and say, Lord, today, I'm not going to ask for anything. I am overwhelmed with all the things I need to be thankful for. And this has happened a lot recently during this pandemic, especially when things were taken away. Family, I want to thank you for my friends. I want to 
thank you that I even know you. And I don't know about you, but when you turn it around like that, your prayer time, number one, you forget of the things that you need. You forget of the things that are troubling you because they're nothing compared to the blessings that the Lord has given you. So I love that Paul starts that way. Here he is in prison, miserable. And he's saying, I just want to thank God for you. I want you to know I remember you. And I always pray with joy in every prayer. So pray for your people. Pray for your friends. Pray for our country. You know all the things to pray for. It was just a reminder of how to pray. And then he goes on to say, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So in other words, we started this journey together. We are here to tell people about Jesus. We are here to talk to them about salvation and all the things, the gospel. The gospel changes lives. The gospel changes lives. That is what we're supposed to be about. And he's saying from the first day until now, I am so thankful for you and the partnership that we have. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Here's what that means. The Lord has started a good work in you, number one, because he created you. Number two, he died on a cross for you. And number three, he has left you here. If you are still alive and you're listening to this podcast, you have an assignment. Every day, the Lord has something for you to do. Every day. You need to ask him, Lord, what is it that you have for me this day? And he will show you, he will use you, and you can share the gospel every day of your life. And I want that to be a challenge. It's a challenge to me as I read this and was reminded, he's not going to take you home until you've completed the work that he's given you to do. Until the day of completion, until the day that I'm face to face with him, he has something for us to do and he's going to finish it. He will finish it in his power, not your power. So that, Lisa, got me fired up. Just those first verses, thinking about my prayer life and the responsibility that I have in sharing the gospel. Well, that's something to get fired up about. In Philippians, we're going to get fired up a lot because this has some power verses in it. This book is full of some of the some of the biggies, some of the ones you've memorized along the way, and just like the one we just read. Let's talk about, so it's 10 years since he had been with the church in Philippi on that first missionary journey. So he's got a fondness for this church. He loves these people. And we know that he's sharing in that verse that you just read, Chrissy, in verse six, being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work and you will, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, therein lies the word sanctification, which is a big church word, but what does it mean? It means to become more like Christ. And so that's the work that's being done in us. We're becoming more like Christ. And I remember when I started thinking about this as a young Christian and the re the way I would describe it in my own life. And as I raised my kids was that, when I get to heaven, I want to be able to run up to Jesus, grab him by the legs, look him in the eye and say, Jesus, it's me. And I want the resemblance to be so close, so close that I look more like Jesus than I do Lisa at that time. Now that's the good work that he's been doing on us here on this earth. We're becoming more like Christ. And how do we do that? By taking on the mind of Christ. 
by getting rid of those thoughts or that stinking thinking like Zig Ziglar used to say, replacing that stuff with, with the truth, the emet, which Carmen taught us. And how do we know the truth? It's by God's word. So this sanctification process is happening here on earth so that when we get to heaven, we look more like Christ. That's one of the power verses. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Just as it is right for me to think this is of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you, all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So this little scripture grouping here, starting with verse 9, was the prayer I prayed over my children, verses 9, 10, and 11. And this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all the sermon. And it goes on that you would not be, that you would approve the things that are excellent, that you would not be easily offended. We know that even by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that love is not easily offended. So hard, so hard to do. And then being filled with the fruits of righteousness. That goes back to the sanctification thing, that we want to be filled with the things of God. We know that the, the road to righteousness is less traveled than the road to destruction. And so when we're on that road to righteousness and being filled with those spirits and we're being filled with that, that fruit of righteousness, then that doesn't leave room for the other stuff, the things of the enemy, the things of the world. And so that's the prayer that I had for my children. I love those scripture for sure. Oh, that's amazing. So that whole section in my Bible is called Thanksgiving and Prayer. Let's go on to verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Just that one scripture, I want you to know that he was in prison, he was in chains, and he was hooked up to people. Look at verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, all of the prison keepers, all of the soldiers that are overseeing the prison, and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. So he's there because Christ sent him there. And there are many, many times in our lives that we ask God why. Why am I going through this? Why do I go through this sickness? Why did I suffer a death in my family? Why am I not married? Why can I not have children? All the why things that many of us have asked the Lord, why? And when you walk with the Lord and you spend time with him and you fill your mind with the knowledge of God, he will help you walk that journey. He will help you walk. In your head, you think it's a dark time, but I'm telling you, God is taking you to a mountaintop. He is setting you up for a success. And that's what Paul is saying here, that what I'm walking through is actually advancing the gospel. I'm going to take advantage of this that the Lord has given me, that God has given me. I'm going to take advantage of this, this time that I'm in prison, and I'm going to talk about 
him and I'm going to advance the gospel, which is what he did. So don't waste these whys and these days of why is this happening to me? You need to spend time with the Lord. Fill your mind with him. Become more like him and think, what would God want me to do with this opportunity? What would he want me to do in this situation? I love this because it just reminds us that don't waste any time because the gospel is so precious to share and there are so many people waiting to hear it. Don't ever think that everyone's heard the gospel. Don't ever think that. And if they have heard the gospel, have they even accepted it? You may be the one that's going to reap the benefit of leading someone to Christ because seven people before you may have planted seeds. I don't know what it looks like, but make sure that you're sharing the gospel in the good times and the bad times because God has a plan for your life. So I love that about Paul, that he did not dare waste prison he did not waste any words. He wanted to preach Christ anywhere he was. And that is who we need to be. Nothing wasted in the kingdom of God. Nothing wasted. I think I've shared it before, but it's the meta narrative. Jesus sees the beginning to the end. He sees the full picture. What can we see? Only what we see, right? And so when I, I mean, I'm thinking as you're speaking of several times in my life where I grew stronger as a believer during suffering. I remember when I had a miscarriage one time and I really started to understand, I was young, but I started to understand the power of prayer and how when people tell you they're praying for you and how that just changes everything and how you feel those prayers. And I, I resolved that day in my heart to never say I'm praying for someone unless I did it. I would do it right then and there as I was saying it because I wanted, I didn't want to just let those be words. The scripture tells us be doers of the word and not hear, hearers only. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just voicing that to someone, but that I was actually doing it. I remember when um, Brad and I lost three of our four parents within an 18 month time frame, and we felt the power of prayer during that time. It also just forged within our marriage something that had not been there previously. Uh, when, you, when you experience suffering and grief like that in a, just a small window of time, you go through something that you haven't gone through with anyone else. And in our marriage, that was just a, a very special time, even though it was a hard time. And I think all of us can look back on our life. And now that we have that, the benefit of that 20 20 vision or whatever it's called. When you look back, you can see that we saw God's hand. We, and that, and that's when you give God the glory. That's when in those moments of seeing God working in, or in maybe not even seeing it at the time, just being in the midst of grief, but still praising the Lord because you know that he is faithful. And Paul knew that, and, and he was so vocal about it. I, I, I too just love that verse because what a picture of the servant that he was. Let's keep going down to verse 19 now because we want to finish this chapter. We get going and then we're not going to finish what we want to talk about. So let me see. Let's go to verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed 
but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Here's our key verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. So Paul there, we talked about him being a humble servant, but he's just saying, I want to be with Jesus. I'm ready to be with Jesus, but I know that he's not done with the work in you. I know that my, you are benefited by my being here and encouraging you and showing you what this looks like. Remember the scripture, I think it's in one of the Corinthians where G, where Paul says, follow me and I will show you Christ. Follow me at my example and I will lead you to Christ. I love that scripture because Paul lives out the Christian life before us. And he's saying, I will lead you to Christ by my conduct. You, you will see more of Christ if you'll follow me. And I think that's just a great thing for us to think about as women and men today in 2020. Are we living lives drawing people to Christ? Can they see more of Jesus as they follow us? I mean, what a question to ask ourselves, right? I love that. I love to ask my question, question. I love to question myself with that when I'm reviewing how I'm doing or how am I hitting the goals that I set for myself or what is my, is God really pleased with what I'm doing, which takes us to the closure of this chapter verses 27 to the end, 27 to 30. When I ask the Lord, what, what is one thing that I can do? What is one thing? There was a movie and I was sitting here trying to think of the name of it. Do you remember the movie where they were cowboys? They were city slick. Oh, it was city slickers. They were guys from the city and they went to the uh, guest ranch, the dude ranch. Do you remember this? Yeah. And they, Billy Crystal had gone through a divorce and all that. Yeah. And they said, what's the one thing? You remember? What's the one thing? They were trying to figure out their lives. These scriptures answer that for us as believers. And I love this section and it is such a great challenge. So let me start in verse 27 to the end of the chapter. Just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, which is what you were just saying. He's telling the church, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, no matter where you go, no matter where you work, no matter who you hang out with, live a life that's worthy of the gospel. Live a life that's worthy of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, 
not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw that I had and now hear that I have. So this one thing, this one thing is our spiritual identity with Christ as citizens of heaven. If you are a believer and you know you're going to heaven, your citizenship is sealed and it is there. And he's asking the church, live your life worthy of the gospel. Then whether I'm there or not, whether I am close by, I hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord. And that's who we need to be as believers. We need to stand firm in one spirit, stand firm in the things that Christ has taught us, stand firm in unity. We need to be united. We need to read the word of God, talk about it and be united there, have a united front. It's kind of like the OU Texas football game. If those guys had practiced and practiced it, they're not practicing to lose. They're practicing to win. So they study playbooks and they practice and they spend summers together and they do retreats together and they get to know each other so well that they know where they're going to run or what they're going to do based on plays from the playbook. The Bible is our playbook. And the Lord is saying in one spirit, in one accord, here's the playbook, girls. Will you please live a life worthy of the gospel and tell people about who I am so that whether I'm there or not, this is what Paul's telling them, whether I'm there or not, I know you're doing what the gospel has asked you to do. And he ends with this, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. I don't know if you watch the Texas OU game, but there was some suffering going on, okay, with the fans. And I'm just being silly, but this is a great example that everybody put so much into that game. They worked so hard and they fought and there were five overtimes and on and on and on and on. And they kept fighting. They kept fighting. They didn't quit. And that's what Paul is telling his church. You're going to suffer. You're going to get hit hard. You're going to miss football catches. You are going to miss a 30-yard field goal. You are going to miss some things, and you're not going to do it perfect. And it may cause suffering. It may cause suffering. And the Lord may ask us to suffer for the gospel. And you guys, our lives, a little bit of suffering is not going to hurt. It's just not. And when you think about someone like Paul, he suffered so much for the gospel. If we just had a little suffering, it's not going to hurt us and it's going to benefit us. And the struggle, like you said earlier, is where you grow so strong. Amen. Well, one thing I wanted to point out from my commentary, which kind of just reiterates exactly what you were saying, Chrissy, but it says believers have two privileges to believe on him and to suffer for him. And I think that as those are two privileges, and I don't think we've ever, we ever really as humans look at suffering as a privilege, but Paul sure did. He sure did to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. I mean, I, I, I just think taking on that mindset, and this is something, and I know both of you, both of us 
are doing or have done Jenny Allen's new Bible study, Get Out of Your Head. And a lot, and it's really the study of Philippians. And in the study, she focuses a lot on our thoughts because our thoughts can spiral us down or she twists that and says, let your spot, your thoughts spiral you up toward God. And I've, I've loved the study because I think my thought life is what can keep me from moving forward. And we do have a job to do here and we do have a, uh, a mission right now. And that is to bring glory to God and to uh, lead people to Christ and to live the life that he's called us to. We have two privileges, just like um, I just read to follow God is a privilege to be a part of his, the kingdom of God is a privilege. And then to suffer for him is a privilege, whether we think it is or not. And I, I remember the last book I read on the persecuted church, The Insanity of God by Nick Ripken. I mean, I highly recommend the book, but the persecuted church, are they're some of the most joyful people you'll ever meet. And they, they know what they're living out, the, the gospel. They're living out the New Testament church. And to be able to say that, to be able to know that my life is not my own, and to understand that, and I think it's so important for us, and I think Paul was trying to say this here is, no, don't let the things of this world scare you. Don't let sickness scare you. Don't let politics scare you. Don't let government scare you. Don't let imprisonment scare you. All these things that keep us from the gospel, that keep us hiding in our homes, <laughs> Don't let that go. Be a light. Don't you, you have one chief aim here, and that is to bring the gospel wherever your feet go. And so we do have a job, and it's, it's a beautiful job as the body of Christ. Jesus paid it all for us. He gave us everything. He gave us hope. We have everything. This world is but a blip, but a blink of an eye. Let's not get too focused on what's going on here. Let's keep, our, keep the vision, keep our thought life in check. How do we keep our thought life in check? By being in his word every day. I mean, two minutes, two minutes in the word changes everything, doesn't it? That's right. And the enemy wants to create doubt in God and he wants to create doubt in his word. So on those days that you don't spend time with him, the enemy has talked you into that. He's talked you into, you know what, you don't need that today. You're just fine. You, you don't have time or you roll over and hit the snooze button one more time. Whatever it is, you get on social media and you get distracted and you look at the time. And you're like, oh gosh, I don't have time to read my Bible now or whatever it is. The enemy is out to get us. Just like the Bible said, he's out to kill, steal and destroy. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. And he wants to keep you from the word. But yet the word is what's going to keep you alive. And the word is where the joy comes from and all the benefits of this Christian life. So the one thing, the one thing is citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that is filling your life with more of him. Well, Lisa, I think we're off to a great start. <laughs> I think we are too. We're going to love this. We hope that you enjoy it as well. It's fun for Chrissy and I because we are Bible teachers. This is what we've done for a while now is teach the word of God, but study the word of God first, teach it, apply it to our own life. Uh, Chrissy has said something before that 
you know, we've forgotten more than we'll ever act like we know because we're just, our minds are just finite. But as we study through this, we hope you are blessed as we share some of our insights, some of the things that we've dug into and found things that we've learned along the way. But this is the book of encouragement, the book of joy. And so we pray that that's what you are able to experience as you come alongside of us. God bless you.